Welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Show. I'm Simon. Joined with me today is David. Do you like this? I'm trying out a very professional intro yeah. where I actually say our names. I thank people for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> it's a slight change of tack. How are you today? I am doing well. You? Very well. I'm not sure when these episodes will go out, but we we last spoke, what, two days ago when we recorded the last episode. So this yep. is very, uh, very soon after that. It's yeah. uh, a treat to be able to do two of these episodes in such a short amount of time. Two more in the next couple of days. So that'll be good. Yeah, I, I do like one of the, I think people should appreciate, which sounds a bit, I don't know, that doesn't sound quite right. You don't have to appreciate anything, dear listener. Uh, by having sponsors on these shows, it does give us quite a like, you guys have to make four episodes in January because otherwise you breach this contract that you signed about making these episodes. So I find it quite motivational. So there you go. <laughs> it's been um, a really busy time though. So that's why the delay. It has January. Well, I complain about December, particularly on YouTube because it's everyone knows it's the biggest month. But now I, I believe January is also not for ads, but because no one seems to make an effort on YouTube in January because everyone knows the ad rates are lower. If you make an effort on YouTube in January, it's, it's much easier to get videos to do rather well because there's less videos competing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. An and then, of one. course, uh, we're also or I am also moving the headquarters of today. I found out to the other side of Washington State. In, How's that going? Present. It's going. Have you found a place? I know you were you were house hunting not like this just weekend past, but the one before, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's coming along. Uh, probably won't be completely over there until probably late February, but getting there. It blows my mind. We've talked about this privately. Um, how quickly you Americans move house? Oh yeah, you, you, can... you were kind of January. I'm thinking about moving. End of February, I moved. It it took me, and you're not just talking about renting, but like purchase and all of this stuff it took me mm -hmm. i found a place i hadn't and was like yes i want to buy this apartment i wasn't there until like nine months later <laughs> and this would be fairly typical i think no yeah you can move especially if you're just renting you can move like almost instantly here wow uh, if you like um very quickly you know you, you find a place sign a lease the next day and then you go i'm jealous of that i think yeah. renting is is definitely easier but even yeah. purchasing, it seems for you guys, is quite oh, a no, it, faster it, process. It can be quite quick, especially if you, you know, you have good credit and all that sort of business. Mm. Fun, fun. Tell me, man, what are we talking about today? Are we doing the kind of quick fact away from our wonderful sponsors? And then what's the main subject? Yeah, the, this one is sort of a bonus fact episode uh, of basically oh, looking at a lot of different uh, common animal related myths. We're going to start with that. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next episode, I think will be the next episode will be a lot of uh, funny animal mating things, which is that's going to be a good one. And uh, Speak yeah. speaking of animal related myths, how's our video on Richard Gere's gerbil doing? Oh, yeah, I haven't edited that one yet, but oh, I, excited I, to I do should this. get to that. Yeah, that's and by excited, I mean slightly dreading. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, man. Tell me some. All right. Tell, tell me today's quick facts. So, quick fact. We're going to start with a quick fact on a bonus fact uh -huh. episode. So, there, I mean, they're all kind of quick facts, but this one's even quicker uh, and actually animal related as well. So, two studies one at Ataturk University in Turkey in 1991 mm -hmm. and one at University of Manchester in England in 2006. I get the feeling I've been to Ataturk. Ataturk. Really? I took a big road trip in Turkey a couple of years ago, and I think that's one mm -hmm. of the places I went through. But I could be entirely wrong. If it's if it's not in the west of Turkey, then I'm entirely wrong. But the name seems very very familiar to me. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so in any event, these these two <laughs> studies they showed that dogs and cats 
are usually either right or left pod. Oh, so, okay. Because they starting with the, right and... <laughs> nice. It's a bad joke. Starting with cats, the Ataturk University one shows that a slight majority of cats are right pods, so about 50%, and then 10% are ambidextrous, and then the remaining 40% favor their left paw. And so, that I don't know, that just seems weird, you know? You don't really think about your cat, you know, having a preference. No, that's true. <laughs> and yeah. let me be honest, man. Probably never will again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have pets. So. That's true. Um, but it's like, yeah. oh, I wonder which four he favors. I would love to get a cat. But my uh, my uh, my wife is allergic to... Uh, she's slightly allergic to dogs because she's had mm -hmm. a dog growing up and she couldn't put together, like, we'd go to her parents' house and she'd pet the dog and stuff and she'd get really dry hands. And eventually mm -hmm. we put it together, oh... You're probably allergic to dogs. So she went to have one of those allergy tests. Yeah, it turns mm -hmm. out she's allergic to cats much more than dogs. But so hmm. now I'm a little bit sad because I love cats. Yeah, cats are the best. Um, yeah. I heard the Russian blue is kind of hypoallergenic, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Uh, like hypoallergenic doesn't necessarily mean allergen free, right? Yeah, or one of the really creepy uh, uh, sphinx cats, maybe. Oh, no, no, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, they totally, I don't, are, mean, they totally look I weird. don't want to be your catist, but those are, <laughs> those are not right. Yeah, no. Um, and then, so moving on to they dogs. They look like something that should be in ancient <laughs> Egypt and, and yeah. should have stayed in ancient <laughs> Egypt. Yeah. Um, so the University of Manchester study, they looked at um, the dogs and it turns out dogs are about evenly split, 50% uh, left pod, 50% right pod. And they found a statistically insignificant number were ambidextrous. Um, mm -hmm. So on top of the animals, uh, these studies showing that animals are, these dogs and cats are right or left pod. It turns out gender seems to be the distinction there with female cats and dogs typically having their right paw be the dominant. And mm -hmm. the males are usually left dominant. But really interestingly, that if you spay or neuter the animal at a very early age, the distinction goes away. Any, I don't see it in the notes here, so I don't know if we know. But like, mm -hmm. why? Is there a, yeah. and has anyone speculated? Know. No, nothing. No, I mean, clearly it must have something to do with some hormone or something or other. Yeah, it's really curious. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Did we do a video about left-handedness at one point and why this... Are you left-handed or am I, am I imagining that? You just think I am, perhaps, because I'm always using a left-handed mouse and this completely just has to do with bench pressing, it turns out. What? So I found that I couldn't bench press. I couldn't bench press. Like there was this muscle in uh, under not the main bicep, but the other one that just was always like sore, like 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 a pulled muscle almost. But only ever noticed when I was bench pressing, and so yeah. I just couldn't. And so one day I was like, "All right, I'm, screw it. I'm just going to bench press anyway and see what happens." Like a normal weight, and then of course I I hurt that muscle pretty good, and it took like a month to uh, get better. But what I noticed was when it was hurt all the time, uh, when I would hold the mouse it was always engaged and so it would like just kind of be sore ah. and so with my right hand so i switched to left-handed mouse and that solved the problem within like a month and i could bench press uh, isn't that now going to screw up your left arm you'd think so but so far so good i don't know yeah. there you go uh, you could switch to a trackpad or something yeah I, 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 how, what, I, you like death gripping that mouse like, I don't know. I, I tried different like angles and like different, you know, sh uh, the height of the armrest and everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing seemed to fix it. Well, like when it when I actually heard it, because it was like sore all the time when I was using my mouse. And so I was trying different stuff. Nothing seemed to work except for just switching to left-handed mouse. And now that seems to have solved the problem. And so far, so good on the left, whatever muscle is in there in the bicep. <laughs> Cool. I, I didn't even know there were muscles under the biceps. I definitely don't yeah. have those. <laughs> well, because it's a bicep, you know, so... Too. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Smart.
Just before we crack on with the rest of today's episode, I do want to particularly thank Wix for being the sponsor of this show. Now, Wix allows you to create a website for your own personal brand, your business. Maybe you're getting married and you want a website for that. You can do that as well. Whatever you, whatever else you might be thinking of, Wix can deliver you a website. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about Wix before. You know that we used it to build our website for this show, which is called brainfood.fm or more that's the URL you can go to and you can see it. And that's the best thing to do. Even if you're on a mobile phone right now, why not just whip out your phone? Head on over to brainfood.fm and see what I'm talking about. It's all mobile friendly, which I didn't even know when I was building the website. I built it all on my on my desktop computer. And then I thought maybe I'd have to change something to make it mobile compatible. But no, Wix is that advanced. It does it all automatically. I even used, they have a bunch of templates. They managed to match the colors, the uh, the white, the red, and the black of this show, which you can see in our logo and stuff like that. And they applied it to this template. So everything looks like it's very customized, but it's actually just very click and drag and everything's super easy to set up. Uh, what we did, because we have a website for a podcast, is we added this thing called the podcast tool, which is in Wix's arsenal of advanced features. I uh, I clicked on that. I added it. I pasted in a URL to our podcast. And all of a sudden, I've got a podcast feed on the homepage listing all of our recent episodes. That updates automatically. We just upload it to our podcast hosting and our Wix website automatically grabs it and puts it out to people. So you can just go there and see and listen to all of the new episodes. But maybe you're not a podcaster. You're probably not a podcaster. I mean, maybe you are, but you're probably not. But maybe you're a photographer and you need a beautiful gallery to show off your work. Maybe you run some sort of store or you got something to sell and you want an online shop. Well, you can do that with Wix. Or like I said, maybe you're just getting married and you want to share some information about venues and dress codes and wedding stuff. You can do that as well with Wix. It's all easy to do. Like I say, it looks great on a mobile or a desktop, whatever you want. Like I said, just just go check out our website, brainfood.fm. You'll see that I made this. It's super professional. Didn't take long at all. It's all very easy. And you can even get unlimited pages and top grade hosting for free with Wix. You don't have to pay for anything. But you can upgrade to one of their premium plans, which is what we did. And you get a whole bunch more. And that just starts at $5 a month. So what you need to do is go to wix.com forward slash go forward slash brain food and get started again. That's wix.com forward slash go forward slash brain food to get started. That supports the show, all of that good stuff. Uh, let's get back to the episode. So what's, what are we, what are we, we, I know it's a lot of bonus facts. These are all animal related stuff today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. What's first? And we're going to start with whale blowholes. And so if you've ever seen like Finding Nemo or just, I mean, this is depicted all the time and you can also just see it. it. What a surprise. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I don't really like animated mood. Like I I haven't seen uh, Shrek. I haven't seen, I don't think I've really seen any animated movie. Just as an adult, I just never really got into it. The good news is when I have kids, I'm going to have a lot of animated movies to watch. To watch. Yeah, definitely. Just for like, without kids, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is amazing. Uh, and then, this before, yeah. And then with kids, I, I I personally think Tangled is the is the best of the bunch. I don't um, know that. But yeah, it's a good one. Rapunzel story. It's it's uh it's different from most of the other Disney movies in that it's a it's um I feel like there's an air, there's a lot of depth with the characters that's not you know mostly they're one dimensional in most of the the Disney movies and and it's a pretty simple story a little bit more realism I guess 
in some respects. I don't know. I like that one. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but then now that I've watched it like 50 times, <laughs> I really uh, like yes. it. Kids and their desire to watch things on repeat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and doing that, you start to notice like the background of Tangled is amazing. It's like they painted it almost, like that doesn't really seem computer animated. And you never, you don't notice that on the first watching, but if you just pay attention to the background. <laughs> on episode, on, on watching 47, you're, you're <laughs> desperately searching for anything new. And yeah. the problem with animated ones, you like, when I'm in the cinema, I'm stuck watching a boring movie or something I'm really not engaged in. I just start yeah. hunting for errors. That's, yeah. how, that's how I get through it. I'll just be looking for any reflection of a camera in a mirror, yeah. like the yeah. boom mic coming into the frame, anything. Yeah. It's all yeah. I'm doing. Sorry, yeah. we were... Totally. Also, by the yes. way, I, haven't, I still, haven't seen, uh, still haven't seen The Princess Bride. So I think the odds of me seeing the Meatballs movie... It's quite low. That is a chance of meatballs. It's a good, it's, it's, it's a classic. Uh, the second one's awful, but the first one is really good. The second one clearly showed that the makers had no clue what was good about the first one. It's like they accentuated all the wrong things oh, to no. make like a really bad movie. Um, either way. Now, is there a Princess back, Bride too? No, there is not. Uh, disappointing. No. I'd probably it see is, that. Yes, <laughs> actually, I would, I would totally watch that. <laughs> that could be kind of funny. Um, either way, so going yeah, back to that. Tell me about so these blowholes. Yeah, if you've ever watched even like a video of the whales, they surface and then they they blow out and it looks like they're spouting a column of water. And this is like a critical part of the Finding Nemo story uh, To But the fact is that they aren't spouting any water whatsoever because that would be really bad for them because that's, you know, if they had water in their lungs, that's not so good yeah. a thing. Um, and that is that is their nose hole, basically. Uh, and so, yeah, so uh, the other interesting thing about this is, is in the Finding Nemo, right? The, the, the fish, they go from the mouth to there and get blown out the blowhole. But, uh, unlike, unlike humans and things, the, the trachea of the whale is not connected to the esophagus. So there's, there's actually no path from the mouth to the, so they, they would have just gotten eaten. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, oh dear. So if they if they aren't if this isn't water, why does it always look like water when yeah, the whales surface and blow out? And it turns out it's just if you think about it, the whale's body heat is they're quite warm and they're blowing out this really warm air on a really usually fairly cool, you know, in the ocean surface. So they blow it out and the the uh. it just the water just condenses in the or the air just condenses into water quite quickly once it leaves. And so it looks like a spout of water. And it's also noteworthy that there is actually mucus and stuff mixed in as well. So, it, you know, it, it is Lovely. a nose. So they're kind of blowing their nose a little bit there. Um, but it also interesting, just kind of a, a little side thing here is you can actually, if you're an experienced whale watcher, can often tell what kind of whale it is just by the shape of that sort of mist that's coming out. Um, and it turns out the <laughs> really? humpback. Yeah. So the humpback whale, for instance, uh, it looks more like a column typically and like orcas spouts are usually kind of like that, like bushy, like it kind of spreads out like that. And then the gray gray whales actually have two blowholes and uh, they're positioned in such a way that it almost makes like a heart shaped spout uh, when they when they come up. (laughs) Gray Um, whales, the romantics of whales. Yeah. Oh, and that's another another inaccuracy of the Finding Nemo is the humpback whale. Um, they show there only has one blowhole, but uh, as a rule, the baleen whales, they, which the humpback is, they have two blowholes. And so they do indeed, and they only show one in the movie. Wow. We yeah. shouldn't become film critics. Can you imagine this on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, finding Nima, Nemo. <laughs> no, I'm definitely... Two stars, can... riddled with scientific inaccuracies. <laughs> 
Flick Facts is, is a channel that for years I've been wanting to get going and never have time. And this is like, I have several series planned for this this channel. And, and like one of them is to kind of just go over the things and look for just, just destroying in, Finding Nemo. Yeah, that's just one series, one of one of many that planned for that uh, that channel once I get it going eventually. Yeah. Do um, they do this on, I, I, there was that channel, um, is it Cinema Sins? Are they still, they mm-hmm. haven't come up in my feed for ages. Um, no, yeah, they're still around. Do they do they do that kind of stuff or do they they kind uh, of no they're just yeah. joking around kind of cool you know <laughs> they don't take fun it at seriously things. at all no they no not at all mm-hmm. but yeah so uh, another interesting to note is the tooth sperm whale actually has what's interesting about this one is the blowhole is not on the top of its head but on the left side of its body and what makes this even more interesting is the right side of the body does not have a blowhole but they do have a fully developed nasal passage right underneath there's just no Ooh. hole to it. And so it's just sort of this vegetable. It's like the there. appendix of the whale. Yeah, it's, it's just like a, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it uh, presumably at some point there was an opening there and just, you know. Or maybe at it. some point in the future there will be. No. Wait, yeah. do we know that? No. <laughs> do we know that? <laughs> well, I could see why, well, you could see why one might close off because if they're having to roll up on their side to breathe out of the one and then, you know, there's really no need to roll over to the other side to breathe out of the other. Could just be like a, like, we don't really need two kidneys, but we have one as like a redundancy in case, I don't know, like a little yeah. fish gets stuck in there or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's uh, realistic. <laughs> or, or what's that stuff that floats around in the ocean that's worth a fortune? Um, we did a video uh, about yeah. it. Uh, ambergris or something like Yeah, something like Maybe that. Maybe a big thing of ambergris would get stuck in there. Yeah. Um, so speaking of this uh, of this nostril thing, I just thought that that reminded me of something we, we covered a long time ago, but never on the podcast, so I'm going to mention it here, is that 85% of humans actually only breathe through one nostril at a time. And this is probably something most people don't ever notice, uh, but it is happening all the time. Uh, testing and it right it, now? Right now it's my yeah. right. Mm-hmm. This morning yeah. when I was having my coffee and I tested this, it was my yeah. left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. When you're reading the notes. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, and it turns out this switches, uh, it's a cyclical, cyclical fashion and it switches usually in most people about once every four hours, but it can be, it can vary a little bit based on what you're doing and uh, on your body position. So if you're, for instance, if you're laying down, like you're going to sleep or something and you're laying on your left side, then the, it'll usually after about 10 or 15 minutes, it'll, uh, the, the right nostril will open up. Uh, if, if it wasn't already. Uh, and similarly, if you roll over and there's uh, nasal congestion can also uh, affect it. And you can, all, you can just plug one nostril and just keep it plugged for a while and eventually your body will open up the other one. Uh, and it turns out... Am, yeah, am all, I right in thinking this is, this is, it works like a dick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, uh, there's erectile <laughs> tissue in your I nose. I remember this from the video. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's just You're like a... You're getting a nose burner. <laughs> A penis or a clitoris. Uh, almost, I, I think more like a clitoris would be more accurate because the size. Yeah, but I don't have a reference point for one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just swells up on one side and then uh, the, it shrinks and swells up on the other side. Uh, so that is what's happening there. Yeah, I remember that well. I think that was probably one of the things when I was recording and I might have had a bit of a laugh and then I had yeah. to compose myself and carry on. <laughs> Um, so going back to animals and whales uh-huh. particularly, so the humpback whale in Finding Nemo, another error there was that it's depicted having a uvula and whales, whales don't have those. And it turns out almost no creature on earth except for humans has Hold a on, uvula. What's I think a uvula? The, the little dangly thing in the back of your throat. Ah, oh, we've done a video about that as well. 
right? Yeah, and so uh, baboons, it turns out, are one of the only other animals to known to have these, and they just have like a little one. It's not really, uh, not like the humans where it's like, you know, this dangly thing down there. Uh, so it turns out humans, and, and because of this, it's actually thought it might kind of be something to do with speech and stuff, like in aid, because it does seem to aid a little bit, particularly people who don't have it sometimes have a little more nasally talk and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So kind of closing off the passageway, helping helping the soft palate do that. But either way, so uh, what, what do we actually know that the uvula actually does? Uh, and it turns out, uh, so among other things, we have it helps moisten the back of your throat. It turns out there's lots of little uh, little glands in there that, you know, basically just emit when the emit saliva and stuff out and kind of when you're talking and stuff it kind of gets you know vibrated and thrown all around on your throat and stuff and this is something like people who have this removed they sometimes they complain they have dry, uh, frequent problems with dry throat mm-hmm. and so that's one thing that that does and then uh, yeah as i said before that helps the soft palate seal off the passageway between your throat and your nose uh, which uh, when you're swallowing speak and stuff which is particularly important because if you don't have a good seal there when you're swallowing, you can actually get food and, you know, liquid and stuff up your nose, uh, which, which isn't ideal. Not, not the best. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise you can also, when you're talking and stuff, get the nasally sound, like we said. And it also is known to aid in the gag reflex. It's one of the, one of the parts of the back of the throat that does that, which is quite handy if you have something dangling down that, you know, helps. So some, nothing can it's just like fall a back through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And as with all its all as as with all its other functions, it it's not completely necessary, and you can have it removed. And some people do occasionally, uh, and not necessarily have any major problems. So, yeah. well, I, I I when we did after we did the video, I remember going to the bathroom, and because I, I I genuinely didn't know if I had one of these. I was like, I'm pretty sure I do. I'm just going to open my mouth yeah. and double check. Because when I was a kid, I had, uh, I'm sure it's completely unrelated, but I had those uh, tonsils and adenoids uh-huh. taken out. And yeah. I, I wasn't sure if that was maybe the like next to the tonsils or part of the tonsils or something. I was like, oh no, yeah. I got one of those. Yeah. So, Still, and yeah, I some people do. Throat, so. Yeah, some people do have to have it removed for various reasons. But uh, I think there was like some tribe in Africa or something that, if I remember, that actually has them removed as like a ritualistic Ritual, thing. Yeah, that I they do. this. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the exact details now, but this is the perfect way. time for it. We got a YouTube channel. Definitely check out our video on that dangly thing at the back of your throat, which I think is yeah. the actual title of the video. So yeah, if yeah. you Google it, it'll come up. So moving on to mm-hmm. uh, goldfish, and so a common idea is that goldfish just have like a three-second memory or just really bad memories that are often you know depicted in animations as being stupid, and that's just something people say. But it turns out goldfish are actually really smart as fish go. Uh, so they can actually remember things. There's been studies that show they can remember stuff as much as a year later, stuff they're trained to do or stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's scientists. This one is funny, I think, just because it, scientists have done an actual uh, awful lot of uh, study on goldfish and their their memories and their abilities. Yeah, chasing those Nobel prizes. <laughs> yeah, they have done stuff like uh, teach goldfish how to play a little goldfish version of soccer for instance, or what? football. Yeah, uh, do the limbo, another one. Push various levers. Of course, that one's easy, just, you know. How do, uh, the limbo is that thing where you got to go under that pole backwards, right? Yeah, where you kind of, yeah. How does a fish do that? It's, does it even have a waist? I presume they, you know, have it, I don't know, roll upside <laughs> down and swim underneath or something. Right. Uh, either way, they also, um, turns out goldfish also have a really good sense of time. So they, they did that, you know, with various studies where they'll feed them at certain times of day and then they, they you know, observe whether the fish start to anticipate it at, at the time of day. Turns out they do. Um, they can even, goldfish have been shown to be able to recognize their masters. 
uh, and they even pick their favorite. It's usually the the one who's if you're the one who feeds them, they usually like you and they can get so comfortable around that person that you can even sometimes just start putting your hand in and actually touching them and they won't mm-hmm. mind. Whereas if you get a stranger who does the same thing, they'll hide, you know, uh, and so they they basically just been shown to be able to recognize faces and things um, and blind goldfish. And yes, there have been studies done with blind goldfish that they can re- they can learn to respond to the voice of their owner in the same way where they get very comfortable with that but you put a strange voice in and they'll you know go hide and stuff so kind of wow. kind of interesting now i'm yeah. feeling guilty like you know having a goldfish in a fish tank. why did i yeah. why did i not be able to remember that word in like a fish tank and not having anything for them to do because you're like oh every three seconds they forget so that's okay yeah and apparently no, not and, they this were is dying yeah. of boredom. <laughs> yeah, those the, that classic goldfish bowl is definitely not recommended because they do actually die pretty quickly in there of like, you know, just if you give them stuff to entertain themselves, uh, mm-hmm. so like a nice big tank and you move, it's also recommended you move stuff around in the tank, give them lots of activities and stuff to do. And it turns yeah. out they tend to live a lot longer that way. Uh, so they do seem to, you know, just whatever, just float in there, nothing to do, nothing to look at. I don't know, give them some TV to watch, maybe. Maybe. It'd be blurry <laughs> yeah. though. Oh, no, that's just yeah. us. We can't see underwater. Yeah. Um, Sh- yeah, should know that. Oh, another interesting experiment they did was uh, this one, actually, they were looking into, uh, so, you know, you have the problem with, like, farmed fish and stuff. There's various problems with that, and it's really hard to grow fish that way. And so they thought, what if we train goldfish, it turns out, what if we train them to to come to a certain song, and then they'll eat, right? And then we'll release the fish into the water uh-huh. and then see and then see if they come back. And uh, when, like, and it was, it turns out about six months later, they played the song under the water around where they released. And it turns out they did get fish to come back. And so it was kind of an interesting thing. So they're they were going to get this, fed or whatever. They'll just release all the thousands yeah. and millions of fish. Wait, get, let them out into the ocean. They get nice and big. Dinner yeah. time for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's the general idea. But of course, you know, that's probably not very uh, practical to train lots of fish that way. But either way. Yeah. Also, if you work in this industry, whatever song they choose, you're going to end up really hating. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Days of listening to the same song. Yep. So moving on from mm-hmm. goldfish to back to dogs and cats. So uh, the common thing people say is that dogs and cats are colorblind and, and can only see black and white. And it turns out, no, no, dogs and cats can both see color just fine. Um, it's, it's, but it is funny though, because the reason, particularly cats, one of the, the big studies that showed that, oh yeah, cats are definitely colorblind was a 1915 study at the university of Colorado that just, I think, epitomizes cats being cats. Uh, yeah. and it's not really clear why this happened, but so they did a study where they take, uh, they took uh, two jars and one, they put gray, gray paper around and the other put, they put various colored papers around, uh, and they, <laughs> they would show, show these to the cats. And if you, if yeah. you picked if you touch the color jar with the nose or paw, they would then give it a little treat, a little tiny fish. And if they touch the gray jar, they get nothing. And so they did this over 18 months of a study and 100,000 recorded documented tries <laughs> oh to my. see if the cats could figure out which one was the color one and which one the other. Like, presumably, they would just keep hitting the color one so they keep getting the, the fish. And it turns out, no, it was a 50-50. It was basically is what they came out with. It was just Wait, completely... Wait, are we talking the same cats trying to be trained to do this? I mean, lots of cats, obviously. But not um, 100,000 individual cats for the first no, time. No, no, no. So you're training. Aren't cats smart? Cats are quite intelligent. And, but it turns out, 
that that for they, they, the odds they got was it's just 50 50 which is the odds in the first place so they determined yes cats cannot see color they must be they must be colorblind or else they'd always pick the colored one and so this just became like accepted fact for a long time uh, yeah. largely because of this study i mean that's a big sample size it's not like they there was a small sample size they were dealing with but it turns out that this this seemed odd because it was you know is cats have the cones and rods so why can't they see color if that's a problem so of course there's been further studies and they looked at uh, more recently they had like one study where they used electrodes and stuff on the brain to you know see observe what's happening in the cat's brain when they see different shades of colors and it turns out they they the brain did respond and they they seem to be able to see the colors and then there's been further <laughs> studies that have also showed that yes definitively cats can uh, distinguish between colors and so but, but, but why why did this other study uh, you know show something quite different uh, and it's not really it's not really clear at all what cats happened with that study with us like <laughs> yeah, yeah screwing with the researchers you know just being cats but yeah so the, the <laughs> that particular study has actually been repeated and it turns out that it was uh, in the 1960s it was and it turns out the cats they did find that yes they could eventually distinguish but was was interesting about it uh, was that it took almost 1500 tries per cat to learn which one to pick and then they once they learned it they could they did it and that seemed odd like you know like you say cats are smart why did it take them so long to figure it out yeah. um and it just it just kind of the 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 general idea is maybe that cats in their day-to-day lives don't really colors are kind of meaningless to them they don't really need to pay attention or something and so maybe they just don't whatever in their brain doesn't really look at it as something to to look at first you know and so it took a long time to train them or of course it could just be cats being cats and just like whatever i don't care <laughs> just, gosh that is curious like something you just yeah. think is so obvious to us almost yeah. the most basic of tests identifying yeah. different colors is yeah. just irrelevant to a cat's brain yeah, yeah it's just like i'm not going to look at that detail because it's never been particularly relevant to me before and i mean they are nocturnal so everything's you know kind of black and white at night anyway mm-hmm. so you know you could see maybe um there's also there was another uh study that showed actually cats are one of the few uh animals that prefer to get their food for free you know, with no effort, most most animals, it turns out, like to do something for it. So this is sort of interesting because, you know, I don't know, in this case, I guess they did have to touch the jar with their paw. Maybe that was just a little too much effort. Yeah. Us and the cats, I feel this would yeah. be. <laughs> oh, one one interesting thing, though, it was it is it has been found that cats don't see um, red very well, red colors, so red shades, but they have no problems with blues and greens. Uh, so that is one way they're like partially colorblind, but they're not like, as is commonly said, you know, only see black and white and whatnot. Um, same type of experience run on run on dogs, these, these experiments and dogs. Uh, I don't know, maybe just because they like to please. They've been, you know, bred to please humans for a long time. <laughs> yeah. They have no such trouble. They learn quite quickly which to do. And uh, even though um, it is noted that dogs see about the, the vibrant uh, they have a lot fewer cones and and than humans, and so uh, it's thought that they see colors a lot less vibrantly than we do. Uh, but they do; they had, they had no trouble in this this study distinguishing between them. Um, so yeah, they do. Uh, another interesting thing about dogs too is they have trouble distinguishing between shades of like red and orange and stuff. Um, but they they can distinguish between like reds and blues and stuff, so they can see reds um, mm. and all that. So they too are not colorblind; they can see colors as well. It would be nice if we could breed some cats that were more like programmed to want to please us rather than the kind of aloof animals we have today. See, I don't know. I feel like that's part of the charm of cats is that they don't care. I guess you so. Know? Hmm. All right. So moving on from dogs and cats to 
Is it possible? Is it actually possible to tip a cow? Okay, hang on. Like, I was reading the notes before. What exactly does this mean? Is this where someone... Because I don't feel... It would be... You get drunk, naturally. You go to a field and you attempt to push the cow over and it can't get up. Is that the... No, the general idea is that the cow would be sleeping uh, and then it's asleep and then you push it and so it just kind of... Its legs are locked and it just topples over. Ah, because they sleep standing up. Yeah, well, that is the general notion, but it turns out that... uh, one of the reasons why this is, I mean, as we'll get into, humans are pretty inventive and it's always possible to tip a cow. Like there's <laughs> ways you could do it. Uh, but in the way that it's always described when people describe it, it, it seems to be more of like a, a snipe <laughs> hunt scientists going out to the field in an attempt to tip a cow. Yeah, it, it is. drunk students. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And so these, these drunk students, there's no way you're going to tip the cow because for one thing, right. cows do not sleep standing up they'll they'll go into a restive state standing up but they are quite alert even still and because they are you know herd animals and stuff they they're quite attuned to what's going on with the rest of the herd so if there's any of the other cows like if you're trying to sneak up and then some of the other cows you know they're going to get really alert to that and then it's going to alert all the all the standing cows that are you know just kind of resting that oh there's something something's in our field you know maybe we should you know pay attention to this so that's one thing just just sneaking up on a cow like that in the first place really difficult um and Which, so that's it makes perfect sense they yeah. they are prey animals this is what they've evolved, how they've evolved not to be horribly killed. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, if you're going to try to come up on one standing up, they are awake to some extent um, and, and aware of what's going on around them. Um, so that's one thing. And, and of course, if you're going to drive up your car, then they're, they're all going to definitely know you're there. So you're going you're gonna to have to walk up somehow. You've got to go up your Tesla. That's yeah. how you yeah, be very quiet. <laughs> very sneaky. And then... Uh, have you seen... Did you ever watch that TV show Weeds? Uh, no. This is one of the great, greatest scenes. Like, there's this middle-aged woman who becomes a drug dealer. And Uh she approaches kind of your, you know, the the other established drug dealers. And she's surprised that they all drive Priuses. (laughs) And this was, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, pre-Tesla. And like, early electric cars. She's like, why do you all drive Priuses? And the guy says, good for sneaking up on motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I never laughed so hard at something. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Recommended yeah, so, show, by the way. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of that sneaking up, so if you could, if you could actually sneak up to a cow that that was standing there and they did, wouldn't know you were there, which is almost impossible. Yeah. Um, so, if by some miracle you actually manage this, you're standing next to the cow. Can you actually physically do? Does a human physically have the strength to tip it? And so it turns out there has been a study done on looking at just this in two thousand five. Yes, absolutely is. A 2005 study by the University of British Columbia by one Dr. Margot Lilly and Tracy Bochler, or Bochler, maybe. Sure. Uh, So they look and they they did the math and looked at it and the the average weight of like a Holstein dairy cow is 1,500 pounds. And so how much would it take to actually tip it at the optimal angle of force? And it turns out it's about 1,360 to 2,910 newtons of force is what would be needed. And for your reference, the average adult human can generate about 660 newtons of force. So in Ooh, if that was people. the case, Almost. two people... If it was a completely static cow that didn't know you were there, like if you actually, it's and it's static, right? This is this is a key part where it has, 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 to, has to just have like its legs locked like that that idea, but it's not going to be static because even if you manage to sneak up on it and you push it, 
it's gonna it's gonna be fully alert that something's pushing it right then. Yeah. Uh, it's, so that's not gonna work for you. Um, and and definitely don't try that with a bull uh, if you want to live. Um, even cows can be pretty aggressive. Yeah. Even so. Yeah. But definitely the bull. Or if there's a bull in the field, that's like a pretty dangerous game to play. Oh yeah. Don't um, do that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so this is, so what about a non-static cow? What about, uh, we're given a cow's strength and ability to brace itself against your pushing. I mean, of course it's probably just going to run off, but like if it was tried to brace against the pushing, what could it do? And Dr. <laughs> Lily, actually they looked into this and it turns out, uh, it looks These like. These guys are about, going after that egg Nobel prize. <laughs> yeah, totally. This, this may have even been one. I don't know. Maybe that's where I originally came across it. I, I don't know, but, uh, what they, what they, you know, found was that it turns out about five people, five adult humans could generate the necessary force to overcome the cow's ability to push back. But of course, the cow doesn't just have the ability to push back. It also has the ability to just, you know, trot off, you know, mm -hmm. or, or, or just catch itself. So even if a cow is falling, they're actually not, they're, they're fairly agile. They can just not fall over um, mm. usually. So the point of all this is, of course, the study determined that no, it, it, in all practical sense it's not the cow tipping is not a thing uh, as is often depicted even though there's always many a person who will tell you they've tipped cows or whatever and usually it's more like uh, the the origin of the game is probably you know somewhere in that like the snipe hunt where you send someone to go you know look for a mythical animal or whatever uh, just kind of a fun game to get someone who's gullible type of thing yeah i had a feeling this one would be a non-starter cows are really big and yeah i i I think I knew they didn't sleep standing up because they lie down in the rain. And then it's, mm -hmm. why would you sleep standing up if you can... Because you see cows lying down all the time. Horses, yeah. you never see... Do, horses don't... Horses sleep standing up, right? I, got I, know, that's that's thing, I, I mean, know that's a thing. I know that's a thing people say. Have you ever seen a horse sitting down? I, well, absolutely. I've, I used to have horses. They uh, sit down? Oh yeah, I've seen them lay down, of course. Uh, okay. But do Wait, they? Of do course, they act? I can I can literally not picture a horse lying down. Really? No, no yeah, I um, mean they always they're always. But I'm not I'm not actually sure if they are capable of sleeping standing up. Uh, somewhat. Uh, <laughs> you so we horses? are. Uh, Today I found yeah. out. Wow. Yeah. Don't don't recommend at all. No, it sounds like um, an awful lot of work. Oh, it is. And especially when you make your teenage son do all the work. Um. Yeah, a friend of mine had horses. It's just, but he loved horse riding, so there was. Oh uh, no! See, I hated horses and also taking care of them. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Ah, because your parents. Ah, so back. I was the a, teenage son. when you were a boy. Yeah. yeah. So, follow up. Do horses are they actually capable of sleeping standing up? Because I'm not seeing like a, a thing. So here we are. Moving on. Oh, so how did the it, it, that um. Tipping the cow thing got really popular like in the late 90s, 1990s, uh, with movies like Heathers and Tommy Boy. And it was also, there was a Beavis and Butthead episode called Cow Tipping in 1994 that really popularized it as a mm. thing. Um, Unsurprisingly, so, I've seen none of these things. Yeah, I've seen the Beavis and Butthead one. Uh, but, I have yeah. I've seen, yeah. I think I've seen some Beavis and Butthead clips on YouTube or whatever, but. Yeah, and Cars, the Pixar film, once again, they have, they have uh, tractor tipping. Never seen that yeah. either. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that one. A lot of people didn't like that one, but I actually like that one a lot. Okay. On all Either Pixar way. films, like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes anyway. So when it's, oh, we didn't like that one. We only get <laughs> oh, no. 95%. No, like Cars 2 is legitimately awful. Although Cars 3 is really good. So they, they brought it back around. Um, right. No, two, number two was just totally like a money grab to, they sells a lot of merchandise, you know? 
um, yeah, type thing. They put they clearly put not a lot of effort into it. Listen, in if I was way. in their position, that would be very yeah. very tempting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we can make something that's guaranteed to be successful commercially. Yeah, yeah. I can take a few raps from the critics. <laughs> yeah. So moving on from cow tipping to ostriches hiding their head in the sand. This yeah. is a thing like so they'll you know bury their head in the ground and just hope things work out type of thing. I'm, uh, I'm gonna it, I'm gonna call this one as this would be a terrible thing for an animal yeah. that's go, that's yeah. being hunted. Surely it would go yeah. extinct fairly quickly. Yeah, I mean it does. As we'll get into, there is one advantage to this for them, uh, and it is they do something like that, but it is just their first line of defense uh, kind of thing. Uh, okay. They they and they don't actually bear their heads in anything. They're actually being quite alert and watching uh, to make sure. But to begin with. Turns out ostriches are like this amazing animal as far as like, if you're a predator ostrich, probably not what you want to go after. Because it turns out, one, they're super fast. And it turns out they're actually the fastest animal on two legs. They can uh, be clocked as high as 45 miles per hour or 72 kilometers per hour. Uh, if they're being chased by a predator, they can go that fast. And not only that, but they can go about 30 miles per hour or about 48 kilometers per hour for about a half hour straight uh, running which is, that is some quite endurance there. That and is super fast. Yeah, and for a long time, there's not really, you know, any real predators that can that can keep up with that for that distance. I mean, there are predators who, who can top them in the max speed, but it turns yeah, but out... How long is a cheetah going to run for? Yeah, exactly. Not I don't, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's not very it's not long be before long. they give up. Yeah, and it turns out the other thing ostriches have going for them is unlike a lot of these fast predators, the ostrich is really maneuverable. Uh, so it turns out they can use their wings. That is what they use their wings for, is to help them maneuver and turn more sharply than, you know, some of the predators can do. This is a um, dumb question, but they definitely can't fly, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're, they're really heavy. Big. So I would, yeah, they're, they weigh a lot. So yeah. I would guess not. They pretty much, I think, just use the wings for maneuvering. And it turns out that even if you catch them, even if you're a predator and you actually manage to catch an ostrich, that's not perhaps going to work out for you because ostriches have actually been shown to be able to kill full-grown lions uh and this is a thing they have done because they have a, they have a big old claw on their on their you know feet or whatever you want to call them uh and then they they kick really hard and so they can they can kill of course lions have been shown to kill ostriches sometimes but ostriches sometimes kill lions uh-huh. so, uh, yeah it's it's not they're not an easy I, I did figure that the odd ostrich has been killed by a lion <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's somewhat less surprising <laughs> Definitely want to go for other creatures, but in the first place, taking running that long and stuff takes a lot of energy. So the ostrich is the first thing they do do, and they actually have really uh, exceptional eyesight and hearing as well. And so they often will detect the predator before the predator detects them. And so if they do this and they see a predator quite far away, they will lay down and they will put their heads on the ground, uh, not burying their heads or anything. They just put it on the ground and they're just watching and listening and observing the predator. And in this from from a distance, you know, they might just look like a bush or something. There's the, you know, in the African savanna to the predator and uh, then if the predator sees them and starts to go towards them then the ostrich will just usually hop off and take off running and then if the predator actually somehow manages to catch them then they'll fight and they're they're pretty formidable uh, that way too so so yeah. essentially what you're saying is that'd be really difficult to tip yeah yeah <laughs> impossible uh, and you wouldn't want to try because they would probably kick you and kill you yeah they'd um, crush your chest in with their their devastating claw yeah, that's like the the emus that the Australian emu war we covered oh, yeah. ages ago. 
Where like the, the, emus where the Australian won. military went to go out and kill all those emus and the emus, they won. totally repelled it. <laughs> yeah, and including, I can't remember what was those machine guns and stuff they were shooting them with and like some of them just survived it. It was crazy. Wow. Um, but in any event, moving on from that. So another common myth, which you'll also see in like a DreamWorks animated film, which you haven't seen, the B-movie. Uh, oh, no, I've so, seen B-movie. No, no, I haven't really. <laughs> I was going to say, really, that one? Uh, so it turns out uh, when what you'll see in there is they'll show, they make a joke about bumblebees not, you know, flight violating the laws of physics. And that's like a thing some people say, uh, which is weird because if something actually violated the laws, the laws of physics, of physics then it's not a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's either not a thing or it would be like every physicist would be studying this thing to yes. try to figure out what's going on. Uh, I, think, you know, I feel so that things that defy the law of physics are things we find far out in the universe, like yeah, yeah some much weird bigger... black holes or radiation. It's not a bumblebee. Yeah, but this is nevertheless a prevalent myth. And so where did it get started? And it's not the first known reference to something like it was a 1934 book published called Le Vol des Insectes. It was a French book, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, In, and it impeccable just Impeccable pronunciation there. We're so good <laughs> yeah. At this. yeah. Uh, it makes a reference <laughs> to not just bumblebees, but insects in general. Uh, it turns out the, uh, the assistant of the author, the author is Antoine Magnon, maybe? Sure. Uh, and his assistant, André Saint-Legoux. <laughs> yes, okay. Legoux. Sure. And I, I think in French it's Saint. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so apparently, the point being, the assistant did some math. Turns out insects, according to them, shouldn't be able to fly. Like, they they didn't say, like, you know, violating the laws of physics. It was just a fascinating thing is how can they fly when the math shows that their wings and they're, you know, looking at their weight and their wing size, they shouldn't be able to fly. And so it's not, this is the first known reference of it. It's not known if this is how the myth got started. Like, maybe some teachers read this and started, you know, telling it to their was students or something. Was this an actual science book or a fiction book, did you say? No, this was a science book. Okay, uh, good. Least, yeah, and that. so, I mean, not exactly an international bestseller here, so that's definitely, I mean, not how the masses learned of this <laughs> myth. Uh, but either way, somehow, that was the first known reference and it's sort of spread since there. Okay. Um, so, what was wrong with the calculations? And it turns out, of course, that uh, the sort of obvious fact is that the the insects don't fly like an airplane flies. So the wing to weight ratio isn't necessary. If you're using the same sort of metrics there, like the size of wing and stuff, it's not it doesn't it's not really applicable because they, they, they fly in a very different way. And um, turns out uh, fly in quite a fascinating way. There's a scientist, a Chinese scientist, Liang Zheng. Uh, and his team in 2001 used lasers and tiny mirrors glued to the backs of the bees. Dude. Uh, yeah, to to see how they actually fly. fly. And, and other research... science done with lasers is just better science. Absolutely. And you're gluing tiny little mirrors to these <laughs> bees. That's kind of cool, too. And uh, so uh, there had been studies before looking at sort of how bumblebees fly and stuff and, and look at uh, look at how they actually do that, given their size and their small, their, their, their mass and their small wing size. Um, but it used tethered bees. They would like tether the bees. And, and it turns out uh, they wow. don't fly quite the same way when they're Shocker. tethered. And so this way they got to fly a little more naturally. And using the lasers, they could, you know, see how how exactly their wings were, were moving and stuff. And of course, there's been others with like high speed cameras and stuff now uh, that have looked at this. And it turns out bees and a lot of insects, they actually rotate their wings as they're flying. And it creates like these little pockets of low air pressure. Uh, and also little um, little eddies and uh, above the wings, which is you can just Google this and you can see videos of it and stuff. And it turns out this creates uh, uh, quite a bit of lift 
um, uh, way more than you would normally get. Of course, if you were like a, a static wing plane flying through, you'd need a lot bigger wing to lift that amount of mass. But the way they do it uh, creates creates quite a bit of lift and, and they can fly and it does not violate the laws of physics in any way. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, I know, great. <laughs> Is, I don't know how a bumblebee flies, but I know it flies. Yeah. And I know... Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. That is the thing. It's like anyone who would say like, yeah, it violates the laws of physics. Like, well, but here's a bumblebee flying. So mm-hmm. no. <laughs> See, listen, Tom, you probably haven't stumbled on something no one's discovered before. So let's just, yeah. let's just calm down. Yeah. That was fun. I, I see there are no more. Are we, are we no. out of... I mean, there's a bunch of others I wanted to look at, but I, I, I thought this was enough for today. Like there's the it ones like solid. chameleons. Chameleons commonly to change color. The idea is to they change color to match their background. It turns out the the reasons they change color is actually uh, more to do with other things um, than that. And there's a bunch of other ones like that. But I don't know. I didn't find them quite as interesting. So I stopped. I'm, sh- there. I'm sure we cover some of them on our YouTube channel, which people can check out. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Google search today found or YouTube search today found out, and you'll find that. Yeah. Should we do yeah. some reviews? Sure. We haven't. It's been a while since we published an episode, but people still review us. And yeah. whenever we don't for a while, I, I always assume people are, you know, four stars, three stars. I like the show, but you could do more. Yeah. Anyway, but that's not the case. And we, we get a lot of comments on YouTube, YouTube and whatnot. People asking, when's the next episode? True. And where's the video? Which we're still yeah. very much trying to sort out yeah. for my sins. Um, Rustic Tidbits says... Great transition from Today I Found Out. I'm a huge fan of Today I Found Out. So it was natural. Tra- it was a natural transition to listen to this podcast. Being a fan of podcasts, I love this one. And it will great- make a great addition to my weekly rotation of podcasts. Thank you, Rustic Tidbits. Rustic nice. Tidbits would make an amazing name for like an antique store. That would actually. Rustic Tidbits. Uh, Angel Kalina says, oh, this is awesome. Five stars. I found the YouTube channel first. I subscribed before Biographics and started listening just recently. Biographics is another YouTube channel I have, which you can check out as well. Just YouTube search that. Professional podcasting. Plugging. It's, you've got to do it. I've experienced the episodes in reverse order, and I've loved the interesting facts interspersed with casual banter. It's wonderful to Oh, keep going. I thought that was I heard, I heard a sharp intake of breath there from you. I had a, I had a question. It hit me. Yeah, so if you listen to them in reverse order, did they get worse? That's what I'm wondering. Ooh. I haven't this actually is... listened to the early episodes, and, and I'm, I assume they're much worse. Uh, well, I hope. This... I sure hope so. Do um, you think there's like a curve of if you graph them out from like early episodes where people get started and they're bad because people are learning what to do, then they yeah. get better as people become more confident. Then as a podcast goes on and the podcasters become lazy, yeah. Yeah. it drifts back to badness. I don't, I don't, I would hope not in our case. Oh, but... we're not old enough to have got bad yet. Okay. But yeah. you know, we've okay. got that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. uh, Angel Kalina continues... It's wonderful to put on and do other things. House cleaning, dishes, cross-stitch, etc. Keep it up, guys. You're awesome. Thank you very much. You want to do one more or leave it there? For some reason, Uh, we got a bunch of these in early January. So I'm not sure if we got a little bump somewhere from that. But I even go around... uh, Sharon, 94. I've really enjoyed listening to these five stars. She says, I even go around telling people about the things I've heard on this podcast. 
I of course pretend that I'm knowledgeable. Oh. <laughs> ah, but then she says, and then I tell them about your podcast. Keep uh, up that's the good. good work. That's nice. Uh, yeah. That's good. Uh, I, I, I mean, I feel like this podcast is fantastic for that kind of water cooler banter that you can bring up at work. Oh, yeah. But always reference your sources and tell people about our <laughs> podcast. No, see, that's the problem. <laughs> that's people the don't problem. Like, <laughs> um, no. um, yeah. What are you listening to? Nothing. <laughs> uh, NPR. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a bunch of other five stars mm-hmm. and then a four star. But that's good. What's, four uh, stars still what number are we up to now on the reviews? 278 so what is it oh, 22 yes. more and we'll give away 300 dollars amazon gift card yeah that, that got expensive fast. real fast yeah <laughs> well and that grew to 200 to 300 seems to have happened quite quickly uh, so you, this must be incentivizing more people are like oh 300 i'll take it well um, it also makes sense I, I really thought this was quite a clever way to incentivize reviews because <laughs> if you do it now i assume i don't know we're going to give away 400 at 400 uh, presumably as long as we don't get up into the hey twenty thousand yeah. reviews, yeah, no, that no, wouldn't no. no. Um, when we get to three hundred reviews, we're going to give away a three hundred dollar Amazon gift card. You don't have to leave it on iTunes. We just use that as our benchmark, yeah. like our yeah. We actually post. have like we actually have like a lot more reviews if you add up everything. But yeah, just the the US iTunes is the is the benchmark. Yeah, just and when when, when the that. when the contest trigger happens, and we'll troll through Australia. UK, Canada, Germany, wherever you guys are, we'll find them. And then also Stitcher, Podcast Addicts, the other places I don't mm-hmm. remember. <laughs> this mm-hmm. stuff. We'll yeah. do that. I, I have no feedback prepared because I haven't even listened to the last episode we recorded because it was so recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know I, what we uh, have to follow up, but I haven't done it. <laughs> Sorry. No. So next time I'm sure we'll have stuff. Double feedback episode. Yeah. Stay tuned. Subscribe. For the thrill of can horses sleep standing up. That's true. This, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that, actually, despite my sarcastic tone. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it was a pleasure. Nice to do this so recently after the last one. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. You're getting a nose burner. <laughs>